Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. You sure? I I think I am this time. All right, all right. We had to restart the podcast. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for another episode of the Church Planner Podcast, America's favorite church planning podcast. (laughs) And the UK. Uh, Well, yeah. And, uh, well, let's face it. We're kind of like every country's favorite podcast because none of the other countries have them. (laughs) No one else has a dedicated weekly podcast that's been around as long as ours. And dedicated to church planning. Dedicated so to church planning. we are the world's favorite church planning podcast. But are we God's favorite church planning podcast? <laughs> oh, Pete, good call, my man. Good call. I would not presume to say that. But, uh, you know, and, and I have to... See, I would just because there is no one else. We have to be God's favorite. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, but what you don't understand is he's outside of time and space. He may he may be like, hey, guys, uh, I'm raising up this four-year-old kid right now, and in 20 years, he's going to have the best podcast. <laughs> so he's like, no, my favorite hasn't even happened yet. Okay, but in our timeline and in our perspective, <laughs> we're From number one. From a finite perspective. I want to get um, one of those big foam hands with the word number one on it. <laughs> And walk around different church planning conferences. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be hot. Woo. Oh, you got to talk about the uh, the video from this morning that you sent me. Oh, yes. yes. Because I loved yeah. your idea and then uh, what you wanted to do with it. Well, you, you tell them about it. Okay, so Peyton sends me this video and he says, this is what we got to do at the next Exponential Conference. And there's like a ninja with a foam sword. 
and he's got a sign that says fight me and then they have like a someone else is like holding the sword out just waiting for someone to come grab the sword so they're out in the public just on the side of the street and every every once in a while someone will come by and be like all right this will be fun and he, as soon as they pick up the foam sword the ninja yells something out and all of a sudden from back behind him come like 20 other ninjas with swords and they go chasing the guy <laughs> who just picks up the sword and so he starts running and Peyton goes we got to do this at the next exponential conference, but with little people. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Little people ninjas are still a dream of mine. And uh, I don't know. I have a thing about that. We, I think, watch I think if you were to like, here's, here's the thing. Cause then my take on it was we got to also get those cool lightsabers, you know, like Luke and I are using right now that make the noises. <laughs> right. That's right. Pete bumps it up a notch. He's like, I'll see your little ninjas and raise you one. He writes me back and goes, but with lightsabers. <laughs> but see, but here's what I'm thinking. The problem is if you were to like rent a uh, a van full of little people, it, it would be too expensive. Like we can't afford that. So well, the last time I rented a van full of little people, I had a coupon. And it wasn't as much. As you <laughs> did think. you do a Groupon? Is that how you did it? Yes, I did. Yes, that's exactly where I got it from. <laughs> a Groupon for little people. Why doesn't that exist? Why doesn't that exist? It will after we're off this podcast. Oh my gosh! So here's what I'm thinking. The problem is we can't afford them. So what we need to do is we need to recruit. And yeah. train one to be a church planner who does a church plant in the little people community. And then we can yeah. get like a great deal on them. Well, here's what I think. I think, you know, calling out all of our, our audience, just saying, look, guys, if you know a little person, uh, please ask them. Because, you know, that's what happened. Brandon Brooks, the way I got that ninja, the little person ninja video where he goes, Peyton, do I got the job? Well, he definitely has a job. He dressed up like a ninja and filmed himself and sent it into us. But if anyone out there knows little people, like if you're just like, I listen to this podcast all the time, I wouldn't tell my little person friend about it because they'd be deeply offended. Well, talk to them and ask them if they would come to the conference with us. We're, our goal is to have uh, a motorhome wrapped with our logo. And then to have these guys pour out, or even better, we can hide them in planters and bushes and do the sword thing, and they can hop out and attack. That would be great. And then Pete and I would be over on the on the side with our foam fingers, raising our hands, you know, kind of waving our arms, going number one, like Cobra. Do you remember that movie? Uh, Cobra was uh, Sylvester Stallone, where they had like the hammers, and they're like, <laughs> Do you remember that? No. I don't remember that part. Uh, me neither. I didn't watch it either. I was only watching no, like no, Veggie Tales. No, no. So never mind. No, no. But uh, when I saw you do that with your arms just in, I pictured you in a construction costume going, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, the problem is, is if you were to like say, hey, um, little person, we'd really like to hire you, but we need you and a motorhome full of your, your friends. Yes. Do you know how many that is? Do you know how many little people can fit in a motorhome? I, you know, I don't, but I have thought about it. I, I think it's more than there might be in California. It's possible because if there were a Guinness Book of World Records for that, we could probably accomplish it. I think, I think you just might have to get like a bunch of four year olds. I never thought about that. 
Is there a law against that? Mm, good call. It's in October. It's near Halloween. It's close to costume time. You know they're going to be carding them all saying, uh, I need to see your ticket. I need to see your ticket. I need to see your ticket. Yeah, but we already know that we're going to get in trouble for doing this, so that's not even an issue. <laughs> and you know, you know, that. never mind. I can't go there. All right. <clears throat> so moving so, right along, so I'm I'm looking on the feed, and I can see my wife's face. She's not normally on here, but it feels like having have we Julie even introduced Cricket that she's going to be a, a special guest on this episode? It feels like having Jiminy Cricket because I'm used to my wife normally elbowing me or smacking me in the head or going Jones or she gives the look that's like, okay, you need you need to stop now. You're going too far. She's here, which is good because I need someone to – oh, that's her phone. I turned my phone off. What kind of ringer so is my, that? My wife is on the podcast today, and uh, she's here. So, hun, Hello. Hello. And uh, so, so that's it. In, in in one sense, I feel like I have to behave, but she can't reach out and smack me or elbow me or get me. So that's good. So she's in I the other know. room. I'm sitting. I'm sitting at your desk right now, and you have all your cards brought out here. And there's um a contract investigator card. Are you investigating me? I actually. That's my story. I actually got investigated uh, this week by a guy from the FBI. Nice. Are they going to yeah, come interview me? Because a lot of times they interview your friends. <laughs> yeah, they'll uh, come after you, Pete. Yeah, because I, actually, I got some stories to tell them. <laughs> yeah, I actually got investigated. I had a guy with a briefcase show up. That's actually his card. He showed up at my gate because I've been looking into uh, uh, joining the uh, the Naval Chaplaincy Reserve as we're uh, getting ready to church plant here. And I figured, hey, Paul was uh, Paul was handcuffed to soldiers part of his life, right? And uh, you know, God God slowed him down long enough to write. But as we're church planting in a Marine town, um, it's just been one of the things that I've been led to to consider. And so he has um, actually uh, he showed up with a briefcase and he pulled it out and had like a like a stack of papers like you wouldn't believe and asked me all these questions, which if I were a terrorist, I would just lie about, right? Well, just this I mean, card is scary. U.S. Office of Personnel Management, Federal it, Investigative Services. That's well, very it, serious. And it wasn't actually the, the, the most uh, – I actually had to sit in an interview once with uh, the uh, uh, Secret Service because when I worked in the psychiatric hospital – um, because Reagan was shot in the head by a mental patient who had made open threats that he was going to assassinate the president. Um, they passed a law that said, if you work in a psych hospital and anyone threatens a president, you have to call the Secret Service. So we actually had a number to the Secret Service. And one day when we were on um, one of the. Was the it 911? I got that number, too. <laughs> no, no. There's actually a special hotline that you call. And I kid you. Wait, not, wait, wait. 911 one <laughs> and and so uh what happened was we it's actually 911-007 and and so we called the secret service and they came in and it was dude it was like something out of men in black these guys show up and uh, or like Eddie Murphy I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe they were they were like in their suits they had the briefcases the whole the whole the whole deal and uh, and and so they're asking this patient 
um, all these questions and you, you have, uh, you know, you're going to assassinate. Yes, I'm going to assassinate the president when I get out. How long is it going to take? Well, you know, I'm making plans now. Boom, boom, boom. And, and so the, the interview went on for about 10 minutes and finally they go, um, and I'll have to do her voice because it was just so awesome. They go, and how do you intend to assassinate the president? And she goes, I'm going to shoot laser beams out of my eyes. <laughs> and they both look at each other and they look at me and they kind of smile and they go, I think we're done here. <laughs> Briefcase closed up and they left. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jamie has been interviewed so many times from people because her best friend, who actually happens to be over right now, um, has applied for uh, – who is it? It's, it's one of the government agencies. I think it was like uh, Border Patrol or whatever they're called. Um, what is that What is that division called of the government? It's not called Border Patrol. Um, probably immigration. So yeah, right? it was immigration. So I can't remember what it was. So I don't know how many times my wife's been interviewed because they have to come out and redo it every time she applies. And, uh, yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, we had foreign bank accounts, so we triggered the system. Um, and Andrea's family is Palestinian too, which probably didn't help matters, but it was more the, uh, idea that, we had international bank accounts and international relationships. So. I think it's interesting that they do that when you're applying for chaplaincy. Is it because it's an officer position? Like, it doesn't matter. It's like, dude, you're trying to be an officer. I think they're thinking that should you be deployed, uh, you're on a floating fortress. That There's only 11 of them um, in the world, aircraft carriers and you know, I mean, our, our Navy something, but you know, that's, that's a big risk, you know, putting yeah. someone on there. So anyways, yeah. And, and you have access to everybody as a chaplain really. So, but, uh, yeah, so that was it. So, Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's hit doc Brown and shoot into it. Unless you got well, we would do that, except, um, we need to give a shout out to our sponsor. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot about that. Okay. Money. Yeah. So why don't you do a little Yoda for us? Sponsored today. Oh wait, I always get that wrong. Don't I? <laughs> Here comes a train. Let me wait for the train. We should have Andrea do some Yoda. Oh, can you do want... Yoda, Andrea? Can you do Yoda, Ben? No, no. You, yeah, oh. you, just so you know, when you shake your head, the microphone doesn't pick it up. I'm just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> All right. So uh, okay. Sponsored. Today's podcast is by MoGiv. M-O-G-I-V. No E. <laughs> is Yoda singing MoGiv? Is that what that was? <clears throat> me, 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 me. M-O-G-I-V. You know, uh, Yoda, let me ask you a question. Have you been thinking about getting the Jedi Temple on a little online and text-based giving platform? Think about it. I have. (laughs) Yoda, have you been... (laughs) I'm tearing up, man. I'm tearing up. Yoda, have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Unwise it is. <laughs> Yoda, stop it. A better solution is here. It's MoGiv. 
Now you sound like a Muppet. <laughs> I do. I, I actually sound like a... I think the further you go with the Yoda voice, it just has to start just coming out as like a grumble because that just hurts the back of the throat. It does. It does. Much to learn you still have. A better solution is here. Mogiv spelled M-O-G-I-V dot com. Thanks for giving me that one. So uh, if you haven't figured it out by now, you need to get on MoGive for your online and text-based giving platform, Church Planner. It's what any responsible Star Wars fan would do. Who's a church planner? I am. You know, I think I think our church planner should get on MoGive if they're still at a mega church and then not tell the mega church and just be like passing out to everyone. Hey, here's how you can do online giving. And then that's how they fund their church plan. No, I'm oh, just kidding. Yeah, totally. So bad, totally. so bad, so bad. All right, so moving right along from that, here's a little uh, Doc Brown action for us. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. So what is this week's topic? Oh, I was about to sneeze right then. I, I could I tell. You were, you were pulling back for it. I was. I even had it on mute, but uh, interrupted me. So here's the deal. Um, today's topic is how to build... A Sunday school. Anna and I, the reason I have her on here is I'm really not qualified to uh, talk about this. I've thrown Andrea under the bus a couple times and said, hey, babe, will you sort out the Sunday school? She is awesome at it. It is not her passion, but she's really good at it. And she has made me promise, hey, don't make me do that again, which is okay. But but the, the reality is starting a Sunday school uh, in a church plant is a different mentality. We have seen people try to do church, uh, try to start Sunday school with a mega church mentality or an established church mentality, and it's just not the same. It, it, there are some special considerations that it takes when starting it in a church plant. I mean, you don't have tons of people, you don't have a budget, and and was able to make that work, and so. I've got her on here today, so we're gonna we're gonna start pumping her uh, with some questions, and um, I'm gonna shut up. I am not the expert on this. So, babe, this is your uh, yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna help out. So, uh, guys, if if you've if you've got someone in mind, and and you know, don't just check your wife under there. She might hate it, and don't make her hate church planning or hate any of that stuff by by by. Chucking her under the bus. Don't don't assume because your wife's a woman, she ought to be doing Sunday school. But um, get the person who you think is um, gonna. Well, I'm I'm gonna tell my first question. I'm gonna ask my wife. Well, you know what? Before we get to your question, Peyton, let's do our typical question that we oh, ask yeah. of all of our guests, so that way the audience knows them better. Other than, hey, it's Andrea Jones, the person that no one believed actually existed for Peyton. <laughs> so, uh, Andrea, why don't you tell everyone uh, a little bit about yourself and how you came to faith? It's the question we always like to start with. Okay, so we're going to do the rest of the podcast on that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, um, let's see. Um, and if you could talk into the already. mic. Okay. I met Peyton when we were in high school. Um, I was already saved at that time. I got saved um, while I was born saved, you know. You know how all Christian? Christian. Yeah, awesome. born Baptist, Christian. Saved in the womb. No, um, I got saved quite young though. 
so I always feel like I was a Christian, but I would say I really um, directed my life, or asked the Lord to direct my life about nine years old when I, I knew I wanted to be a missionary. Hmm. Um, so up to that point, you know, I, I would have still called myself a Christian. Um, you know, I was, I was a little kid, but I still would have considered myself a Christian. And from that point on, from about nine on, um, I just directed my heart towards whatever God would call me to do ministry-wise and um, didn't really turn back. I mean, not to say that I didn't have times where God and I had hard talks and long, long midnight discussions, but um, I really gave my life to him at a young age and, and kind of never turned back, to be honest. And um, I had an awesome family that was um, in the hippie movement, and they had all, I'd seen them really walk a really rough path um, with, of drugs and all sorts of different things. And um, then I saw them all converted while, when I was really young. So I think that really impacted me for the rest of my life that, well, why would you not want to be a Christian? I mean, it's kind of silly. You're just heading down a, a dark alley without God. So why not become a Christian? So that was kind of my thought process at a very young age. And um, had a real heart for ministry and was really fed um, a lot of good stuff at a young age about missions, about um, just raised on Amy Carmichael, Hudson Taylor, Elizabeth Elliot, just given a lot of books on discipleship very young. So my big passion is discipleship, to see um, people not just come to know the Lord, um, but to really be discipled in that and know how to walk the walk and, and know what that means, not just for one year, two year, but what happens when you've been walking with the Lord for 25 years and you feel the fire going out and to see that discipleship of just carrying on in the faith. Um, so that's really my heart, my passion within church planting, whenever Peyton and I, um, wherever we are, up until recently with little ones. But um, my passion was just to really see women grow in their gifts and, and learning their gifts and understanding their gifts, um, men and women. So that's me. How did you, um, how, or, I mean, deciding at age nine that you wanted to be a missionary, because I remember growing up in the house that I grew up in with a dad who's a pastor and, you know, that whole scenario. Like, to me, I remember praying to God, all right, God, if you want me to be a missionary, I will. Like, it was like the last thing that I wanted. Why was it, I mean, what was it about that that captured your attention at such a young age where you're like, this is what I want to do? I think it was a bit of, well, I know that it was already a call in my heart at a young age, partly maybe because of my personality, too. I really liked adventure. And then you couple that with coming to know the Lord at a young age. And why not go off to some tribe somewhere? And But also I was raised on spiritual heroes. Mm. So I think at a very young age, um, my sister went off to India as a missionary. My other sister was very close with the Last Days Ministry with Keith Green. And um, these were all really radical hippies that were cool to a young kid, but they were just passionate about the Lord. And they they grabbed on to God and, and didn't let go in, in that day and age. And so that was something I saw as really exciting and not boring at all. I mean, I didn't see church as boring at all. Well, to be honest, I didn't maybe going into church I saw as boring, but I didn't see being a Christian as boring. Mm. Because there was, I saw a difference in that. My parents didn't actually get grounded in a church um, for a while. We were bouncing around 
um, between Greek Orthodox and E.B. Freeze and different ones. Um, so I didn't have a real grounding in a specific church at a young age, but I had a lot of um, ministry influence in my life, like last day's ministry, um, my sister going off to India and, and the groups that she was with. Um, There's another, um, some great music coming out at that time through Agape Force. And um, I don't know if you remember Nathaniel the Grublet. There's all these different music machine, all this stuff that kind of influenced my mind. Um, and it was real push towards missions at that time, too. And I think it just resonated with me at a hmm. young age. I know I, I think about that now with my little girl, and I think, oh, I want her to have a passion for missions. And and I don't know that anybody set out to give me that. It was just their passion, and it kind of trickled on to me. And hmm. um, I remember at a very young age, I must have been, probably was about eight, my sister put up a map, a huge map in my room, and gave me some darts and um, some prayer cards and said, pick a card and um, you know, throw a dart or pick a card, and we'll pray for that country, and we'll pray for the kids in that country. And it was, it was fun. I threw a dart at a map, and then we'd look up the card of, to tell us something about that country, and I would pray for that country, and I was quite young. I mean, what what's really cool is, you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but when I hear about Andrea's childhood, she kind of had the best of both worlds. I mean, she had, you know, we always joke around about things like Punky Brewster and all the stuff growing up that um, we we enjoyed. We were talking Georgia the Jungle the other day. Andrew and I are exactly the same age. We met our senior year in high school. Um, I had her my junior year in the class, thought she was a Mormon because um, her best friend was Mormon, girl that I knew. Um, but what was really cool about Andrea is that, you know, Keith Green was a part of the family. Um, she, she knew him growing up. Um, she, you know, when other kids would just learn about like Barbie and, you know, their heroes were, you know, uh, someone off TV, Ricky Schroeder, Andrea had all that stuff, but she also had stuff like William Carey, Jay Hudson, Taylor, Elizabeth and Jim Elliott. Like those were her heroes as well. The other stuff was entertainment. And I think a lot of times we don't give our kids, you know, these kind of heroes of these, these awesome, just warriors for the kingdom that, you know, gave their all and sacrificed everything. And so I'm always fascinated when I'm talking to Andrea to hear her upbringing and is definitely something she brings to our kids, you know, and she's raising them. Hmm. So pretty cool. But, uh, but babe, we want to talk about Sunday school with you. Um, you know, uh, you, you, you were definitely someone that has, uh, thoughts and opinions about Sunday school. And I want to delve into that a little bit. Um, first off, let's, let's do that. Before we talk about the person that we want, well, this question will lead into the second one. But first off, what, what do you think Sunday school ought to be? I mean, with a church planner, you know, a lot of times what happens is, the church planner is busy with everything else. And so the, the Sunday school can be an afterthought. But like we always say with church planning, it, it's the time to get stuff right, right? It's the time to make stuff what it ought to be. And you get this one chance. You know, if you come into a church, Sunday school is already there. The power base is established. The philosophy of the curriculum, everything's set. And you usually have a battle to change everything. So when you're planning a church, you get this opportunity to make it right, to do it, to do it the way it, it should be done. And we all know 
some people haven't thought about it because they don't give a rip about Sunday school. And, and that's just because it's not their calling. It's not something to feel bad about. But what should Sunday school be? Well, I think you brought up a key point there is when you come into a church, you think about philosophy and curriculum, right? Um, so I think each church planter is going to have maybe their own philosophy about um, what Sunday school should or shouldn't be. Like, for example, some some churches may want the kids in during worship. Some churches may want a more of a community family feel, and so they don't do Sunday school. They have a, a group community service. Um, but for me, regardless of the style or um, exactly how your philosophy is going to run with Sunday school, I think um, whenever you pull children away from their parents, um, safety is the first issue. It's going to be the first issue for the parents coming in. It's going to be the first issue for those kids, whether they ever want to come back or whether they receive the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because if they get damaged in Sunday school, most likely that's going to trickle into their Christian walk for life. Um, I know so many people that say, this happened to me in Sunday school, or that happened to me in Sunday school, and so I'll never go to church again. Um, And so I think that safety is number one, because unless a child is in a safe and comfortable environment, they are not going to be receptive to anything you teach them at all. Um, So you could have the best teacher in the world um, and the best servants in there that just want to serve and have a heart to serve. But if it's not safe and the children don't come in and feel relaxed and at peace, and if the parents don't feel relaxed and at peace about letting the children come in, um, the children won't be at peace either. So I think safety is a first groundbreaking thing you have to come up with Sunday school in in a church plant. Do you do you think that goes into an issue of let's say a church planner starts out and he goes, Oh, we don't have a lot of people, we need to have just one Sunday school class. Do you think safety becomes more of an issue when uh, a church planner thinks that way and you've got kids that are ten with kids that are like two? Yes. My 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 biggest thing and um, you know, I don't see myself as a little one Sunday school teacher. I, I'm more of a teacher of the older ones, but I do um, really have kind of a shepherd heart and seeing Sunday schools safe and able to teach these kids in a very comfortable environment. And I think if you aren't able to provide that as a church plant, which a lot of church plants aren't because they simply don't have the staff or the people, or maybe they have the people, but those people perhaps maybe are ex-convicts or other things that, you know, it wouldn't be safe to, to put in a Sunday school. They don't even want to be in Sunday school. Um, then just don't do it. Let the family stay together. Um, you may, in that instant, um, lose some of those families, but it's better to not do a Sunday school than to do it poorly and to do it where a child could be in danger because that is not going to help the child. It's not going to help your church growth. It's not going to help anything on a spiritual level. Um, families won't come back again if you have a Sunday school set up, but it's poor. Um but they you, may come raise, up again if you have a group where you're all sitting together and they're comfortable and you have a table in the back of the room with some coloring things, just a little spot for them, um, showing that we are in the process of building this, but be patient with us. I think more parents would be comfortable with that. I know I would. Well, you raised a, an interesting point, and that is this whole idea, and you mentioned it earlier, about worshiping together as a family. Now, in Western culture, that is not something that uh, church people are used to. For for example, um, 
mo most people want to know that there's a Sunday school. It's almost a way of babysitting kids during a church service. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're like, look, just get rid of my kids so that I can worship. I, I remember a good, good friend of mine. He was in the Reformed camp. And he was a big believer. In fact, you, you often hear in Reformed churches that they really like to worship together as a family, much like uh, some of the more uh, traditional churches, um, the Greek Orthodox. They believe that one of the most powerful things, I remember my, my friend saying to me, one of the most powerful things he could ever remember was watching his dad worship Jesus with tears running down his face. And he said, my dad was a hard man. My dad was, was a strong guy. Um, he, he knew his way around tools and cars. Mm. And to see him cry, he goes, I, I just remember as a kid watching my dad worship God. And it was the only time that I saw not weakness, but, but like a meekness. And when I saw that in him, it deeply impacted me. As a young man, I re I saw a lot just through watching my parents worship who God was. And I think yeah. we've lost that because the Eastern culture, uh, and particularly the early church, you know they didn't have Sunday school. I mean, you just know that, right? It wasn't like, right, everyone, get your, we, you know, we need a donation of some pipe cleaners and, and some flannel boards. Uh, so, so there is that argument to be made. And church planning, guys, you don't have to start a Sunday school. I mean, that's the first thing we got to say. Well, I think that's where I was saying in the beginning, you got to look at your philosophy. Um, so do you have the philosophy of a Sunday school? Do you do you really? Um, and I'm not saying that Sunday school is wrong, but is that something that your church, um, you feel strongly about, you want a Sunday school? Well, then if you're going to do it, you have to do it in a way that it is safe. But perhaps you do want to worship as a family. Perhaps you want to set up something where the family is together. Um, during worship. I know for me, that is where I learned everything I learned about the Lord was in the main service. It wasn't in Sunday school. I wasn't a kid that liked Sunday school, so I, I wouldn't go in. Um, I hated Sunday school as a little one. Maybe it was the churches we were going to, but I couldn't stand Sunday school. And I remember sitting in the service at a young age, watching my brother-in-law, this big burly guy, just worshiping with his hands stretched out to the Lord, crying and worshiping God. And it impacted me. And I, I learned to take notes by watching my sister write and take notes during the sermon. So I started copying her and doing the same thing. And my older sister, she was about 18 years older than me. So um, that was my Sunday school is really sitting in the service and um, listening and watching what the adults were doing. Um, and that impacted me. But if you are going to do a Sunday school, then it does need to be well prepared for. And I think that's where church planters have to be careful that we don't just do it because it's the done thing in the Western world. Um, but we do it when we're ready to do it well. And that is, that's the key. Uh, maybe hold off on doing it until you have people who are gifted and qualified and until you have established how you're going to keep it safe for the kids. Um, is it just going to be a daycare for the kids? I've, I've gone into a lot of church plants or smaller churches. Um, where it is more of a daycare when you go in there. They aren't really yeah. doing biblical stuff. Um, they may I be sing a couple of Christian songs, but it is more of a daycare. Yeah, and I, I think it's really important for people to realize. We've talked about I mean, we have talked about Sunday school before. The difference was um, we never 
we never actually had Andrea on for that. And I remember confessing at that time that really I was unqualified, that we needed Andrea on to talk about it. But I think that um, what we're really talking about when we're talking about Sunday school is um, you need to have the, the, the mindset that if your church plan is there for non-believers, you need to understand that Sunday school automatically creeps non-believers out to a certain degree. They come in, you know, they're not churched. They've heard all this negative stuff about churches and, 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 and religious people and how weird they are with kids and how kids are vulnerable in Sunday schools. And, um, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, hey, uh, we know we're all strangers and we're kind of weird and we smile too much. Um, give us your kids uh, for the next hour and we'll take care of them. Wink, wink. And, you know, it, it's just creepy to them. And there is a peer pressure on a Sunday morning. Now, I'm a believer in Sunday school. Don't misunderstand me on this. But uh, there's a reason why. But but we just need to be aware of the dynamics. And if your Sunday school sucks, the non-believer is going to go, ooh. And and here's the deal. You you might be like, hey, you know, um, they don't have to put their kid in. Well, you need to make that really, really, really clear that children are welcome in the service and so that they don't feel the peer pressure because they assume a lot of times if you have a Sunday school, that's when my kids have to go, you know, and, and they may not return simply because they felt that pressure and they hated this. They did not feel their child would be safe in your Sunday school. And so they don't return. Um, and just think of it, you know, you've been to churches where, I mean, I went to a church recently, David Jeremiah's church. I was speaking about church planning when I went, when I went there, uh, they were like, well, you know, the, the next room is in the basement. And I go, really? In the basement? Like, and they go, oh, no, our basement's elaborate. And they go, in fact, uh, we could take the slide there. And I said, take the slide there. And they're like, oh, yeah, we have. And they had three tube slides going through the whole building. And I'm like, well, I want to take the slide, man. They were like, they, you know, there were locks on them, so we couldn't go through. But um, they're like, oh, yeah, we take our Sunday school really seriously. So I toured these guys Sunday school. And you just know when you it's like taking your kid to Disneyland. You're like, these guys are doing this well. It puts you at ease. Right. Um, and, and we know that when when someone has gone all out for a program, you know it, you get it. But church planners, we don't have the luxury of putting slides in our Sunday school we don't have the benefit of having a ginormous program and spending thousands of dollars on curriculum. So from the ground up, right, um, from ground zero, Andrea, the first thing we got to talk about is who are we going to get to lead? There's teachers, but then you need someone who leads it. And maybe you can talk about two things. Number one, uh, what does what does that look like when someone is leading or administrating Sunday school? And number two, what kind of person are you looking for? Well, I think with Sunday school, I think we have to really look at it as church. It is church, and it's not daycare. It's not just some place to stick the kids for an hour so the parents can get spiritually fed, but it is church. So um, the same effort we put into our actual main service, if we aren't equipped and able to put that kind of effort into the little service for the little ones, then we're not ready to do Sunday school and we need to get ready. And I think that's where we start up when we're doing the church plans. And, and often it can take, just like with the big church, it can take one, two, maybe three years before that Sunday school is actually 
able to run and function well. And I think the first thing, um, just like when you're doing your church plant, is team building. You have a team leader. You have someone who's able to lead the team well. You can call that a pastor or a shepherd or however you want to do, but someone who has the overall vision and able to lead the team well. And then someone who's able to build a team, someone who sees gifts and gifted people and say, right, you are spiritually gifted in this way. For the little ones, you are spiritually gifted in another way for the little ones, but spiritually gifted, not just someone who is able to teach, not just someone who is able to get in the room and keep them from all hanging each other, but <laughs> someone who is actually spiritually minded and able to go in and teach the kids or be around the kids and help build that spiritual community within that church. Because again, when you're looking at Sunday school, it is, I like to call it children's church because it is church for our little ones and it should reflect what the big ones are doing in the same way. Yeah. So, so really um, you're, you're saying that uh, it needs to be someone who's really passionate about it and sees it as a call to ministry, not as a babysitting chore, which is often how you hear it marketing churches. Hey, we need more help looking after the little ones. We need help in Sunday school. And it's kind of like what they're really looking for is free babysitters. And what you're saying is, and, and maybe this is part of the vision of how you pitch it, is I think if more people went up and actually said, that's what this is, this is a, a, a church within a church um, aimed at, you know, if you were a missionary to children, you would, it, it's, it's like a second church plant within your church plant. It really and is. And that's, that's what I think made it so brilliant when you would do it, even though you're like, hey, really my ministry's to adults um, and, and you didn't want to get pigeonholed. But I think that was why you were particularly gifted at it was because you had church planted. Um, that was something you knew and understood. And you just brought all those tools to the table. So church planner, you know more than you think. And you have to be thinking about people who, um, you know, are really passionate, not just, um, and, and actually gifted, you know? Um, yeah. So for example, in Pillar, um, back in Wales, um, you know, we had we had a big transition into our Sunday school. The first room we met in, it was um, we actually had this teeny little room and everything was piled high up onto our kids. And we thought this big pile of junk was going to fall over on on the children and we wouldn't even bring them in the room. So at that point, we just didn't do the Sunday school initially. Um, parents would actually take turns coming into the service and then the other ones would drive the kids around in the car and they would they would take turns. Um, and little by little, we began to build the team that was going to be the Sunday school team. And what I did to do that is we would um, we'd have meetings, just like you would an initial church plant, where you you see potential leaders, you get together, you brainstorm, you talk about what the vision for the church is, how to keep it safe, how to um, what kind of curriculum we're going to use, how are we going to get that curriculum out to the teachers. Um, how are we going to have crafts? What kind of crafts we're going to do? Um, so you get someone to build a team. One person may be there to just organize. One person may be there um, as a teacher. One person may be there as specifically doing the criminal background checks. Um, that was my specialty. I just wanted to make sure the criminal background checks were done on everybody um, and that ch no child was left alone in the classroom. And, this, and what I mean by that is that there was always a ratio of two teachers um, in the classroom at every time with the child. So um, 
that a child was never in a danger and a teacher was never in danger at the same time. Um, so these were just some ground rules we had starting out um, so that the families would feel safe. And we talked to the families. We actually um, had the families, meetings with the families that were with us and said, what kind of things um, are important to you? And we would listen to that and, and build according to that. Um, now that was because our, our team started to grow families as we were church planting. So in that particular instance, we didn't have any kids when we first started the church. And then about a year into it, everybody started having babies. And so we had to start looking at the need there um, and what we wanted. And in our particular group, everybody really enjoyed family worship. And so we had the open door of family worship. Um, you keep the kids in the service as long as you want. Um, but after worship, those who want to go out um, and the children who do want to go out could go out. Um, with the two teachers that would be heading out at that time. Do you uh, do you staff it yourself? I mean, how how do you work with you know the group to actually decide who's going to do what? Does that well, make think, sense? What that question is, I'm getting at. Yeah, I think the same as a church. I mean, Peyton, you know, here's a plug for Church Zero. You know, he talks about the fivefold ministry, and if we're looking at our children's ministry with the same heart as we are towards the actual main church, um, I think you really want to look for people with all those gifts. You want to look for people with, um, you have those who are specifically shepherds, pastors. You have those who have that real evangelistic heart towards the kids. You have those who are perhaps have a bit of that more spiritual prophetic side with the kids who can really sense which kids are struggling and what their needs are um, spiritually. And so I think the same way we structure our main church and look for leadership in our main church, I don't think it should really be much different with the little ones. We need that fivefold ministry within the children's church in order for it to run smoothly and for it actually to be a spiritual ministry and not just daycare. And I know nobody who starts children's ministry or um, Sunday school, they don't want it to become that. But unfortunately, that can be the default because we just look for warm bodies to get in there, to throw in there with the kids, to say, oh, we got a Sunday school. Now the parents will stay. And we just throw anybody who's in there, even if they aren't even spiritually minded. And I hate to say the amount of Sunday schools we've gone into, that oftentimes a lot of the teachers aren't even saved. They're just helping maybe one of the teachers will be saved, but the other ones, they really have... Um, no spiritual mindset. Maybe they're just there helping out because, you know, they're there with mom kind of thing, um, a, a teenager helping their parent. And so I think we, we just really need to be careful on who we and how we staff our Sunday school. So would you suggest then, let's say it's a church plant, you know, and how most church plants are, there's just not a lot of people, at least there in the beginning stages. And let's say if you can't put together a good enough leadership team to start with. And I don't even know what that is exactly, but just, you know, like using your example, there might be one spiritually minded person and a bunch of other people who are just helping out. I would say that's not a good enough staff. Yeah. Um, Well, you wouldn't start a church like that, would you? No, exactly. You wouldn't. That's a great point. So would you just say then, all right, look at this stage, we're not going to start a Sunday school because we're just, we're not at that point yet. We need to not equip. Yeah, we're not equipped. We ever the kids got to stay with the parents inside of uh, inside of regular church. I mean, is that what you would yeah. say? I think 
I think that's the safest thing to do. I honestly think spiritually, physically for the kids, like I said, if you're going to pull a child away from their parent, um, the, the one who God has put in place for their spiritual and physical protection, you also need to take on that responsibility as a church of being willing to be spiritually protective over them and be physically protective over them. And if we aren't able to do that um, with the right staffing, then we just can't do it at that point. It doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to stay. And what we did until we were able to really um, come with a safe Sunday school for our kids, we put blankets down in the back of the church, um, tables with coloring things. And it wasn't always quiet, but we can deal with that, can't we? It's better that they're safe back there with their parents. And then over time, um, people's gifts started coming out and people would say, well, let's let's talk about this. What What can we do? And I have a heart for this. And I think we talk the talk a lot with Sunday school. Where we say this is the most important ministry in the church. You hear that all the time. And yet it is the least staffed and it is the hardest position to find staffing for. But we also don't look at it when we actually are staffing it as we would staff our typical adult church. We wouldn't have someone preaching in the pulpit who wasn't hadn't been walking with the Lord and had a solid foundation. Wouldn't we? We wouldn't let them get up there and preach in the pulpit. We'd let people who are new believers give testimonies and come and encourage. And I think that's great. You can have people come in and encourage the kids. But you do need to have that spiritual covering in those Sunday schools. Um, it's, it's How, how many staff do you think it needs? you need to have before you can start one? Well, for safety, what we would do is for every... Um, Eight kids, we would have two adults, um, as typically. So one adult per four kids. Um, and I, I believe um, the school systems actually there actually is um, a law that I think it's one to four ratio um, with littler ones. It depends on the age group. There's there's different safety laws that we try to adhere to. You know, just good practice and safe practice those things. But I think also in this day and age. Um, always having two adults in every classroom at all times, um, just for the protection of the child and for the protection of the adults. You have children coming in from all different backgrounds, and especially in some of our church plants that are in rougher areas. Um, some of these kids have been in and out of foster homes and different things, and and you need protection for the adults against false accusation, but you also need protection for the children who perhaps an adult has slipped in there who has issues with hurting children, whether violence or sexual or verbal, and you need accountability. Um, you, you, you need to be careful too. There, I can remember in one of the churches we were in that there was a guy who um, wanted to help with Sunday school and um, he was just, he was a little bit different. And, um, you know, years later uh, he, he passed on, and right before he passed, he started sharing with me almost like a confession, a lot of the stuff that that had been his sexual hangups. And it was it was some deviant stuff. And, and, and I can remember thinking, I'm so glad that I did not put him in Sunday school, even though he really wanted to go in. And you have to understand that there, there are people that may come to your church and they may they may not be thinking, they may genuinely be thinking, I want to work with kids and I want to, I want to help kids, but there may be a temptation in them based on their past or whatever. It may not be something, but you have to listen to that, 
internal judgment that just sometimes it's the Holy Spirit and he's just saying no, you know, and, and maybe their criminal background check comes, comes back. Okay. But just God saying no, you know, um, I think of that far side cartoon where it says nature's warning signals and it shows like spikes on a fish. It shows a rattle on a snake, you know, and then all of a sudden it shows some guy like wearing scuba gear and a clown suit and these weird far out shoes. And, and it, and and it's just saying there's certain people give something off and, you know, whether it's a nature's warning sign or a supernatural warning sign, you need to listen to it. But at the same time, not always, not always. Some of the people who we trust the most and think are the most wonderful um, could be pedophiles. And I think you, every, Every leader has to ask that question, not if a pedophile comes to our school, but or to our our Sunday school, but when it's it's going to happen. And unless you have hmm. the safety things in place already, your kids aren't going to be protected. So it they it will happen. Um, but if you have the right systems in place, no child will be hurt under your care. You, you know, and that's important. The question I asked earlier was, um, you know, how many do you need to have? And, and you gave a great, you know, uh, advice on that. that there are, you know, two for every eight kids is what you guys have run a lot, but how many do you actually need to have that, you know, a Sunday school because two isn't enough, right? Two might be enough for yeah. a week, but you got to rotate people in and out, right? Cause you're going to kill them if they had to do it every week. Yeah. So I think, that was another, there's a couple of ground rules that um, I would put in place always. And so, so two, two adults per class um, at all times. And then also um, parents take the children to the bathroom. That's an, another safety thing that we'd have in place. And then the other thing is every Sunday school teacher has to be getting spiritually fed. Um, and within the church, not that they're getting spiritually fed outside of the church someplace else, but they need to be part of that body. This is their church and where they're going to get fellowship, their community. So what we would like to regulate and kind of help our Sunday school teachers is at least once a month that they are in getting fed themselves. And so um, we, we didn't have a big group in our, um, in our church in Pillar. But we really worked hard to make sure that no parent was in there or no Sunday school teacher was in there more than twice a month. And, yeah. and sometimes that would mean that I would have to go in there more, um, which, you know, then could be burnout. But even for me, I gave myself that rule that because it's easy, especially if you're heading the Sunday school, it's easy to get sucked in with guilt. Like, oh, I'm no one's there to serve it. And so I'm going to have to be in there. And. Actually, it's better if maybe one time a month you don't have Sunday school and all your teachers are able to get fed that one time during the month hmm. um, than it would be to have one person never getting fed and being in there. And As ironic as this Sunday sounds, school, that to me is a mind-blowing concept. Really? <laughs> yeah. It, it, I don't know why, but it's like I've never thought of, of all right, we're just going to cancel it this Sunday. You know, this Sunday we're not doing it. Everyone's in with the parents, everyone needs to take a break and we'll be back next week. I mean, to yeah, me, it's like, it's such a freeing thought. I really love that thought because I've never had that I, go through my head before. I've actually yeah. been toying around with the idea of, of literally enforcing like um, a family service, 
you know, once a month, just having people worship with their kids and just saying, this is our family service. Um, I saw this recently and I thought, man, that is a fantastic idea. Um, just to, just to let people, even, even if you have a Sunday school, you really believe in Sunday school to still get that opportunity for once a month for uh, the church to get the benefits of what we talked about at the beginning of the broadcast, which is let your kids see you worship God, that he's real to you. And, uh, you know, that hopefully that's not the only time they're seeing you worship God. And by that, I mean your life, not just praising God. But, um, but I think that's important. And, you know, the, uh, the whole notion for the kids, oh, sorry, I'm cutting you off, but it's important for the kids also to see the main church as their church. Um, because mm-hmm. we have this mass exodus that exodus that people have been talking about for ages about how kids go from Sunday school to junior high to high school to college group, and they've never joined a part of the main church. And so when they get into college, they're like, well, that's not my church. That's never been my church. I've always been, I've never even sat in that church. I always sit in another room. And so I think that's something that I think the church at large has been re-looking at and saying, yeah, we're getting this mass exodus of kids when they hit college because they have never been part of the body of the church. And so this is one possible solution for A, making sure your teachers in a, in a small church plant atmosphere get fed is once a month having a family service. Also B, it lets families worship together. Um, and let them see that this doesn't have to be a nuisance to everybody worshiping together. There's a lot of blessings in here. And I've, I've seen, um, recently, like what Peyton said, a, a church recently where once a month they're doing this and they'll have little coloring pages for the kids that go along with the service. And the kids are in there and they're doing it and they're, they're loving it. They're enjoying it. And my daughter particularly really loves that because she's, she's never been big on, um, some of, I guess because we've been traveling to a couple of different churches of just going into strange and new Sunday school. She'd rather be with us and feels more relaxed and comfortable being with us. And so she's loved having those little worksheets and sitting in the main service and she's worshiping. She's actually now she's at the age she can read. She's looking up at the words and worshiping and enjoying it. And I've been hearing her singing our worship songs during the week rather than just her little Sunday school worship songs. And that's been a new blessing that I've I've seen just as a practical outworking of that. And and just so you know, like there there are people that I encounter from time to time who say things like, "Oh no, we believe that you know the kids should have consistency and someone should be in there every week." I've always noticed that people who say that burn out. I have yet to see someone who says that who doesn't in some way, shape, or form burn out or become disconnected and unsatisfied with the church. I, I, I just, you know, they're not a part of the life and the rhythm of the church. Um, and and it, it becomes weird. And I, I just am not a big believer. I've, I've let people do it. I've, I've decided on various occasions, I'm not going to fight them on this. Um, you know, okay, you know, I'll, I'll give them my philosophy, lay it down. But, you know, I'm kind of, I think I'm, I'm more decided right now at this stage in, in, in my ministry that no, I, I know what's right. I know what's right. And, you know, I'm not going, going to, uh, even let people, what I, what I think where I'm at now is in a place where I'm able to say, um, look, that's what you've always known. Let me show you what I've always known and let me share with you now a new way. 
because it, it might be for those guys that they actually just have never experienced what Andrew's talking about. And they might actually really enjoy that blessing. Well, I think I, I was going to say, I, I remember growing up um, when you went to sixth grade, that's when you got kicked out of Sunday school. And I hated moving to sixth grade because Sunday <laughs> school was always so fun. And then it was like, no, I got to go sit in my dad's service, and listen to him preach, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, he was preaching at you at home all the time. Anyway, I know, so. I know, and I got more of it. <laughs> Only now I got to see the stories when he used me as an example, as opposed to just hearing about it from everybody in the church. It's so funny, though, because if Liberty doesn't get to hear me preach often, but if she does, it's so funny because she'll, 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 she'll say to Andrea something like, she'll look over and go, ha, 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 daddy's so funny. Daddy's funny. <laughs> So that's that's it. We're in that stage right now. So long, long, long may it rain. But uh, anyways, um, well, hey, you know, I think we're out of time, but uh, it's been great having you on. And I had to miss a section there. That's why Pete got to talk. Um, We've we've got the baby in the next room. But um, uh, did you talk, babe, about the the use of the of the word in Sunday school? Because if if you didn't, I would want to kind of circle back and just hit that. Um, the, the, the fact that sometimes kids go to Sunday school and it's just devoid of the Bible all the well, I think we touched on that, that you, okay. you don't, um, you don't want a Sunday school running in a way that you wouldn't have your main church run. So you wouldn't put someone in the pulpit, um, preaching who didn't use the word and wasn't spiritually mature. And so you wouldn't put someone in Sunday school teaching who wasn't able to teach the word well and engage the students and spiritually minded. And so I think we kind of touched on that, that basically you want to run your Sunday school how you would run your main church um, with the same giftings, the fivefold. As I, I gave a plug for Church Zero Jones and that the fivefold teaching. And um, but the fivefold ministry there that you want to see those same giftings in your Sunday school of the the shepherd, the evangelist, the the teacher, the prophet, all those things working into your Sunday school leadership as well. And and I really felt blessed in in Pillar. We had a lot of that. And like uh, Pam, we called her Grandma Sunshine, and she was just there to greet the parents and had that shepherdess heart. And as the parents came in to make them feel comfortable, um, and so we we had all of that that fivefold ministry going on with the Sunday school eventually, and it was a blessing. <laughs> so I've seen Peyton saying "shush" to the baby the whole time. <laughs> I'm I'm going shh. <laughs> nice. So she goes uh, goes to sleep. So um, hey, that that's all we have time for, and that's all my baby will stand. So. Not not my baby on the podcast, but my baby in her in her crib. So, anyways, hey, it's been uh, Pete's roll in his eyes. Hey, you two, get out of here. <laughs> get a room. <laughs> <laughs> too 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 much emotion, too much feeling. Karate man, don't feel those feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, this has been the Church Planter podcast, reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going, and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. 
visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.